Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. This is a free Sunday, so I have an open topic and I could not wait to preach this message out of Matthew chapter 15. Uh, The title of the message today, and I think those of us in South Louisiana will appreciate this title. The topic is simply this, living on lanyap. Living on lanyap. Matthew chapter 15. Let me give you some context here. This is such a rich story. How many of you love the word of God? Oh, I love this book. I, I, I love the instruction that's in this book. I, I love the spirit that inspired this book. I, I love the life that this book brings us. I, I thank you that there's power in the word. And I pray that as a church, uh, that we are committed to what God has written on these pages. And Lord, don't just write it on these pages, write it in our heart. Can I have a good amen? In Matthew chapter 15, the, the context of this story, Jesus is at the, the height of his ministry. Uh, He's got such a massive following. He is the man in demand. So much demand on him that Jesus takes a break. How many know that taking a break is a good thing? Even Jesus would press pause. Uh, What I love about the Gospels is when you read about the life of Jesus, not only are you inspired by his deity, but you're empowered when you see his humanity. Jesus needed to take some time off. So he leaves Judea, which was rare. And he goes to a region about 40 miles north of Galilee on the coast. He went to the beach. How many love a little beach vacation? Right now in your mind, I want you to put yourself on the beach. Now, don't shut your eyes because you might fall asleep. But I want you to think, what do you love about the beach? How many love a beach vacation? Uh, What do you love about the beach? I I tell you what I love. I love rest. How many, when you go to the beach, you just kind of unplug. Man, you you can throw your schedule out the window. How many of you get inspired just sitting at the beach, laying on the sand, listening to the waves come in? One of my favorite things about the beach is I go there to to work on my tan. (laughs) How many know I need a lot of work? There's white, there's pasty white, and then there's Pastor Mike, all right? (laughs) Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus is on the Mediterranean coast, and and he didn't want to be bothered. He didn't want anyone messing with him. In fact, he didn't want to be recognized. Have you ever gone to a place and you just hope that nobody would know you? Nobody see. You ever been in Walmart and see somebody you know? And then you're thinking, man, if they see me, I'm drawn into a conversation that I might not get out of. Come on, only two people are being honest up in here. Look, hey, true story, true story. One time we were in Destin, Florida, okay? We were taking a little vacation and um, we'd left the beach and man, we were getting hungry and so all the kids load up in the car and we're driving down the road and man, looking for something to eat and Rachel sees her favorite place. She sees TJ Maxx next to a Home Goods, next to Ross, right next to Marshall's. Come on, somebody. That's my Home Goods girl right there. 
She's like, hey, can, can we pull over? I need to make a quick stop. Yeah, quick. Oh, okay, sure, we're on vacation. We got no schedule. We pull over and she gets out. I'll stay here and just hang with the kids while you make a quick stop. Oh yeah, five minutes turned into 10 minutes, turned into 15 minutes, about 25 minutes in. How many know that I went from hungry to angry? I said, kids, you wait right here. I'm on a rescue mission. I'm going into that store and I'm gonna retrieve your mother. And so I shut the door, baby, I locked it. I locked them in, they were all locked in. And I went marching into that store and I'm, I'm, I'm a man on a mission. I'm trying to find out where is she? How could she? I can't believe she's going to put herself above all of us. Listen, we're all hungry. We left. We were intended to eat some. I stopped for you. Can't you pay? And I'm walking in there. And as soon as I walked in, I got maybe 10 feet into the store. Somebody says, Pastor Mike. <laughs> I did like this right here. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, sister. Oh, isn't God good? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I know my wife's in here. I'm just, I'm just trying to encourage her and help her. <laughs> Jesus didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to be recognized. He's on vacation. The Bible says in Matthew 15, verse 21, Jesus left Galilee and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. While he's there on vacation, the Bible says, a Gentile woman who lived there came to him. Interrupting his vacation, she recognized him and she began to plead, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Somebody say, my, my, my. Now, we don't know a lot about this woman. The Bible gives her no name, but the Bible speaks clearly of her pain. We don't know if she's married or single, but we do know that she's a parent. She has a child. How many of you know that children change everything? A child, all you moms and dads, all of you parents and even grandparents. If you're a grandparent, you're a parent times two. A child changes everything and I remember when I first became a parent when Alexa was born almost 22 years ago I actually was in the waiting I was in the the delivery room and and so man when I first saw this child man I lost it I know it's hard to believe but I lost it I am boo-hoo the nurse comes out to the waiting area where all the family is and she says the baby's fine but we're not so sure about the dad when you're a parent everything changes your worldview changes. In, in fact, your highs are higher and your lows are lower. There's no joy that, a, that, that, that you can experience like seeing the success of your children. When you see them grow and flourish, and, and man, they're doing well, man, they're, they're achieving and stepping into their dreams. There is no greater joy. Your highs are higher, but there's no greater pain than to see your child suffer child making poor decisions, child leaving and departing from what you've taught and maybe slipping down a dark road. The Bible says Jesus was at the beach on vacation and this Gentile woman came to him pleading and she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me for my daughter is being tormented. Her daughter's in trouble 
and this mom is desperate. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down the word desperation. This whole story starts out of sheer desperation. I want to tell you this, and all of you mamas, a desperate mom is a dangerous mom. You can go to a place, your kids can take you to a place that you never knew you could go and bring out something in you that you never knew you had. What was against this woman? The Bible says she was a Gentile. In fact, Mark's gospel says she was a Canaanite. And if you know anything about your history, Canaanites were the ancient enemies of the Hebrews. They had to drive the Canaanites out of the promised land in order to inherit it. This woman was a Gentile. It was forbidden for her to approach a Jewish rabbi. She was a woman. It was inappropriate for her to barge in unexpected and talk to a man. Oh, by the way, Jesus is on vacation. He's in a no ministry zone. Uh, This is hold all of my calls and I'm forwarding all of my emails. I don't want to be bothered. How many of you know that desperation will cause you to break a few rules? Desperation will cause you to break social rules, religious rules, cultural rules. This woman needed help and she hears about Jesus and finds out where he is and what does she say? She says, have mercy on me. Isn't that interesting? Her daughter was troubled and tormented, but this mom says, have mercy on me. You know what that tells me? As a parent, the pain of your children is your pain. I love what Brother Wayne says, you'll never be, you'll only be as happy as your saddest child. This mother cared so much about her daughter. Her daughter was troubled and tormented, yet she didn't say, Jesus, have mercy on my daughter. She said, Lord, would you have mercy on me? Because the soul of a parent is wrapped up into that life of a child. Have mercy on me. You know, when when you have a need, you can't put it on the clock. You can't wait until work begins on Monday even if it's vacation and you find out that Jesus is near, if he's close by, you gotta find him. Lord, have mercy on me. Some of you are here today and and you know what this pain feels like. Maybe as a child, as as a student, as a teenager, you walk through your own dark season and you know the grace of God that was on you and now as a parent, you see your children, they're good kids, but maybe they're making bad choices. And your heart is tied up into the soul and life of that child. And you're thinking, Lord, have mercy. God, have mercy upon me. For my daughter is tormented. Now, in the Greek, the, 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 the terminology there is not something like we would think in demon possession. Even though the, the New Living Translation says demon possessed. But it's more of a departure of the faith. It's more of a, a, a turning their, their back on what they've been taught and walking down a road of darkness. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you right now are here today and that describes the condition of somebody that you love. You know, I was reading a, a recent study in the Wall Street Journal. And the Wall Street Journal did this study on depression and said in the last seven years, the rate of depression among students has doubled. I want you to think about that. 
The rate of depression among students, among high school and college students, since 2009, in fact, since 2009, 2010, the rates of depression among young people have doubled. And you know what the, pro- the prominent con- contributor of that depression is? Cell phones. Social media. How many of you know that the battle lines have been drawn and, and there's an attack on our children? And I love, I love social media and I love technology, but there's a danger sometimes. Our kids, they get sucked into this social media vortex and they're watching what everybody else is doing and they begin to compare themselves to somebody else. How many know that's dangerous ground? And they see where everybody else is and what everybody else is doing and look at where they're going and, and what party they got invited to and, and look at where, where, where they get to go on vacation and, and look who their friends are. And, and this comparison creates insecurity. And then insecurity turned inward is destructive and it pushes them in a dark and difficult place. Can I tell you, social media will make you aware of everything but wise about nothing. You'll know what's happening around you, and you'll be clueless as to what's happening inside of you. She says, Lord, my daughter is troubled. Have mercy on me. She calls him son of David. Now, I want to tell you there's hope in that. Here, this Gentile woman, she was unreligious. She was unqualified to even approach him. But she says, Lord, son of David. To call Jesus the son of David meant that she believed he was the promised Messiah. She was calling out to a man that she didn't know, but that she had heard about. She had heard about the exploits of Jesus. She knew the power of his ministry and thought maybe, just maybe, there would be an opportunity for me to get help. But look at what it says in verse 23. But Jesus gave her no reply. Not even a word. Silence. This desperate woman finds Jesus, declares that he is the son of David. She knows that her hope can be found in him, and she pours her heart out, and Jesus doesn't even say a word. The Bible says, then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. The silence of Jesus. Have you ever prayed? and felt like the heavens were silent? Have you ever poured your heart out to God and felt like that you got nothing? Am I talking to anybody here today? Can can we be honest in the house of God? Uh, I mean, look, it's not all rainbows and flowers and we don't bounce around from one glory cloud to the next. How many know sometimes we go through some dark seasons? some tough stuff and we're not always full of faith and the man of the hour, God's tower of power, too sweet to be sour. Sometimes life is bitter. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Sometimes we struggle to believe. And man, we hear what God's doing for everybody else, but we wonder, why is he so quiet when it comes to me? She's met with the silence of Jesus, which is tough. But the disciples fill in the blanks. If Jesus is silent, then the disciples go ahead and fill in the blanks. Tell her to get away from us. She's bothering us. She's not one of us. Come on now, can I preach where we live? There's there's a spirit of religion that will keep desperate, broken people out. The the spirit of religion says if you're not one of us, you're not part of us, then you don't deserve what we have. 
Well, I, 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 and I'm, I really believe this. For us as a church, we are coming against the spirit of religion. Because people have felt on the outside long enough. Some of you, you've been so hurt, you feel like God is silent and you've desperately tried to seek out hope in the church. Nobody returned your call. You feel like, well, maybe I'm a bother. Maybe I don't belong there. Come on, are you with me? The silence of Jesus, the rejection of the disciples. Lord, send her away. She's bothering us with all this begging. Look at what it says, verse 24. Then Jesus finally speaks up. And this is what he says to her. He says, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Hmm. <laughs> but she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Now, I want you to see what, what's happening here. She starts in desperation, but then she moves to determination. He says, wait a second. Now, I'm, I'm a Jew, and I was sent for the Jewish people, the, the whole reason why I came. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my ministry. And Matthew's gospel is all about the ministry of Jesus to the Jews. But this story opens up a whole new realm. Okay, this story is not only teaching the disciples, but it's teaching us that the gospel is for everyone. Jesus says, wait a second, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, but this woman out of desperation and then determination, the Bible says, Mark's gospel says that she falls at his feet and she just begins to worship him. Have you ever been in a place in your life where your need was so great you didn't care what anybody thought? You didn't care about the criticism of others or the, the, the rules of religion. Forget all that. I just need to throw myself at his feet. And she just begins to worship him. And in her desperation, in her determination, she begins to pray. She says, help me, Lord. Hmm. When you need to pray, pray what you need. Can I say that again? When you need to pray, pray what you need. Sometimes I listen to people pray and I'm thinking, <laughs> you could have cut down about 75% of that. Pray what you need. Lord, help me. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Have you ever been so desperate you didn't need to flower it up with any eloquence? You just, out of sheer determination, I got to get myself to the feet of Jesus. Lord, I need help. God, help me with my child. Help me with my finances. God, help me with my future. God, help me with my purpose and calling. Lord, help. She worships him out of determination. Listen, giving up is not an option. I think if there's one thing that some, somebody needs to hear this right now, giving up is not an option. You have been tempted to just go ahead and be quiet and stay off to the side and just mind your own business. And, and the devil wants you to think that, well, you're bothering Jesus. There's no place for you at the church, but yet this story of this woman is telling you giving up is not an option. Out of determination, she was going to push her way past all of her fears, past the criticism of others, past conventional wisdom, and she was going to worship at his feet. And she pours her heart out and says, Lord, help me. Jesus says these words in verse 26. Well, it, it isn't right to take food from the children 
and throw it to the dogs. Now, how many of you have read that and thought, Lord, that's strange. Nobody? All you got to figure it out, huh? I've read that a hundred times and thought, Lord, that just doesn't sound consistent with your character, with, with, with what I, I, I've been taught, with what I believe. What, 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 what does this mean? It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Listen, this woman is not offended by an apparent insult. She's too desperate to be offended. Come on now. She's too desperate to be offended. She didn't form a committee and take a vote. She didn't lash out on Facebook and express her outrage. She didn't fill out some Google review and said, well, I wasn't greeted with a warm, friendly welcome. Jesus said, wait a second, I was sent for the lost sheep of Israel. This woman's begging for help. He says, well, it's, it's not proper. It's not right for me to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Look at verse 27. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Okay, now you see where we're going, all right? Now you see. Let me step into this for a minute, all right? Because what Jesus said, if we're not careful, we miss the point. This is not an insult. This is a parable, okay? The word for dogs in the Greek is not some dirty, mangy street animal, okay? The word for dogs in the Greek is puppies, okay? Puppies. A, a, a beloved family pet. How many of you have a pet, a puppy at your house? I know it's not a cat. We're talking about dogs today, right? This beloved family pet, you see, Jesus was saying that in a culture where food was scarce, there is an order to things. The, the, the family, the children would eat first, and then the pets would eat after that. He said, it's not right for me to take food from the children and give it to the pets. And remember, he's the son of David. He said his first priority is to the nation of the Jews. There's an order. But this woman says, watch this, I may be out of order. I know it's not right. It's not the right order. But I know there's enough on your table. There's so much on your table that even while the children are eating, if a little scrap, if a little bit of lanyap falls, come on somebody, if something falls from their plate, oh man, I know that that little crumb is enough for me. You see, I read this and I, I thought about at our house, we, we've got a little malty poo, okay? A little a Maltese and a poodle. And, and she is... <laughs> she, she walks around like she owns the place. How many of you, your dog is like another family member? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come home at the end of the day, and nobody greets me quite like Presley does. That dog is glad to see me. And you know what? She'll follow Rachel all over the house, everywhere that Rachel goes. That little Presley, pop, 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 just watching her like a hawk. But when it comes time for dinner, and we're seated around the table, Little Presley knows the weak link in our house. It's Trevor. 
and she will position herself right by his seat and she's just going to stare at him. And she knows not to look at me. Come on, somebody. But she will look at him with those puppy dog eyes. And Trevor thinks I'm not watching, but I see. I know what he's doing. And he's got a little something in his fingers, and I see his hand kind of go down beside it. And she's all over that, licking his fingers. She's eating out of his hand. Sometimes Trevor will get up and leave the table, and he'll just take off, and there goes Presley right behind him. Because she knows, hey, I know that if I'm close to him, then what's on his plate will be mine. You see, this Syrophoenician woman knew if I can position myself at the feet of Jesus, he's so good that he's going to give me just a little crumb from his table, just a little bit of lanyap. Come on, somebody say lanyap. Now, you know, you know what lanyap means. Now, most people in America do not know, but we understand lanyap, do we not? It's a, it's a Cajun French, kind of a Creole term that means what? Yeah, yeah, a little, little bit extra, just a little, little lanyap. It's not the main course, it's not the main stuff, but just that little, that little scraps, the extra stuff, little, little bump up, little bonus. Sometimes we'll go to a restaurant and, you know, we'll look at the menu and, and Rachel will ask me, she'll say, babe, should, should I get the eight ounce, the 10 ounce, or the 12 ounce? I'm like, baby, get the 12. She's like, well, you know I can't eat all that? I said, I know. Fellas, how many of you, you eat the scraps from your wife's plate? Go ahead and get the supersize. Get the large. I know you can't eat all of it, but what you don't eat, come on, guys, talk to me. What you don't eat, I'm going to enjoy. One one thing I love to do, we'll go to a restaurant, and of course, I look at the main, the the, the entrees, but I'm going to look at the appetizers and and some of that little lanyap stuff on the side, and my favorite thing is if if they got just a cup of gumbo. All I need is a cup of gumbo. Are you with me? You feeling? Just a little cup of gumbo on the side. Just a little lanyap. This woman says, a cup of gumbo is enough for me. Just a little lanyap, whatever's left over. She says, you know, she realizes she's not a Jew. She's not a part of the initial ministry of Christ. She didn't have the, the Ten Commandments. She didn't know who Moses was. She didn't understand Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She didn't know who the prophets were. But she says, Lord, a little crumb from your table is enough for me. And position herself right there at his feet. Do you see desperation turns into determination? Lord, if you didn't come from me, your residue is enough. Watch this. Just the overflow of your presence, it's enough. How many enjoy living in the overflow? God, I, I don't have to be the main course, the center of attention, but the overflow of your presence is enough. Some of you, you've been in a church service where you have felt the overflow. You have felt just the scraps from God's table. And, 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 and it, the blessing from the goodness of God. Listen, this woman, she knew that she wasn't worthy, right? She knew she wasn't worthy. She didn't go to Jesus because of her goodness. She went to Jesus because of his goodness. Why do we go to Jesus? Not because we deserve it. Come on, are you with me? 
Not because we've earned it. We go to Jesus because we know that he is good. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what you're battling, what you're fighting through, what your struggle is today, that there's a little lanyard from the table of God. And, and you don't have to, to earn a miracle. You don't have to explain your way into his presence. But if you'll just position yourself at his feet, it's enough for you. The Bible says, Jesus in verse 28, dear woman, <laughs> that's a great phrase. It wasn't just woman, it was dear woman. It shows compassion, care. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. What did he tell her? He said, you have great faith. You have great faith. What do you think the disciples thought? Remember the disciples who said, man, just get rid of her. She's bothering us. And now Jesus says, your faith is great. In fact, I think it's an indictment on the disciples. He did all of this as a lesson for them. He says, listen, your religious spirit tried to keep her away, but I want her to know, I want you to know that of all of us in the group, she's got the greatest faith. You see, not only... Did she go from desperation to determination? But you know what she left the house with that day? She left the house with expectation. She left knowing in her heart that what Jesus had declared was going to happen. You see, she had to leave the house without any evidence. She simply took him at his word. Are you with me? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Please dial in. Dial in. Don't miss this. She left the house without any evidence that her daughter was going to be whole. There was no evidence, no sign. Otherwise, she would have stayed. If she had any doubt whatsoever, she would have stayed. But she knew that when Jesus spoke it, one word from God, it made all the difference. Just a crumb. You see, this is a a miracle made of crumbs. You say, Mike, it doesn't sound like much. Guess what? It doesn't take much. But God has a, he's got a few scraps for me. And the leftovers from God ta God's table, it's enough. It's enough for whatever I'm battling. Whatever you're struggling with, a scrap from his table is enough. She left with great expectation. And I wonder when she got home, I wonder when she walked in the door when she saw her when she saw that daughter that she had prayed for cried over I mean so much heart-wrenching pain when she saw her for the first time I wonder what that moment was like Thank you for listening Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church For more information about HPC visit healingplacechurch.org